Hi, I'm Rachel Dillon. And I'm Marcus Dillon. And this podcast is Who's Really the Boss, where we highlight the joys and challenges of running a business with your spouse or family. Our mission is to strengthen families and businesses by helping listeners avoid the mistakes we have made so they can lead and live happily ever after. Welcome back to Who's Really the Boss podcast. Hey. uh, I saw the countdown, but the last number I saw was five, and I was waiting for the rest of them to come up, and I never saw them. The screen just disappeared, so I assume we're good to go, and we'll just go with it where we are. Did you just blink for four seconds (laughs) go to sleep? Have a seizure? Yeah, maybe I'm a little slower um, than the rest of the world around. So, um, yeah, we actually got to travel together here recently. And so now is like catch up on real life and get back into the groove of real life things. So, yeah. Yeah, I had a a meeting in office today that I had to be in office uh, for a 10 a.m. meeting, which that's difficult to do as odd as it sounds given you know previous meetings that started earlier than that and what life looks like now but uh the two older gentlemen who are legacy clients and just come in to kind of um obviously shoot the crap or you know we can say that another way but they as soon as we sat down the older one said all right is something wrong you seem in a bad mood And, and i'm like well, one, I, I could tell you, I don't really want to come to the office on a 10 a.m. on a Friday and meet with someone to go over a tax return. But then two, I'm tired. Like, you know, coming from California back to Texas, you lose some time. So I had to tell them about, you know, San Diego and our trip and, uh, you know, everything that, that was fun. But then also the travel back wears on you. And even... The one night that we went out, it was also a realization of uh, that we're not the youngest people in the room anymore. And so we went out with a handful of friends and then everybody at the table started sharing their age. And we I felt really, really bad that we were the only ones that were 40 or above there. So we we're still holding our own, but I don't know how much longer we can yeah. do what we've I always done. I did love uh, Reagan asking. Reagan, our niece, is part of the group that we traveled with. And so she asked, is this the latest you've stayed out in a long time? Like, how long has it been? And I'm like, this is the latest I've stayed out ever in my entire life. Like, I've never stayed out this late, given the time change. So had it been, you know, if we were at home, uh, yeah, definitely have never seen that time ever. So anyway, it was a good time. What was your favorite, uh, part of San Diego? They could, and I'm just asking either way, um, what we were actually there for, or just the area. Uh, professionally, I think it was the being around peers and people that are trying to figure things out and want better for themselves, their team, their family that always, uh, gets me going, gets me excited about what we're doing and obviously the help that we can give to other other business owners. Uh, personally, like in a personal context, I really enjoyed our hike at um, Torrey Pines and kind of being there on the ocean and doing that and 
trying to catch the the best sunset that maybe there ha- there there is uh, on that side of the the country. And so, I think that was the highlight, and that was the first day. It wasn't. Yeah, it was the first day. So um, hopefully, it wasn't downhill from there. But we ate really good food as well. So um, professionally, personally, and then the food is yeah. always good. So. I think mine are like exactly the same. And so I'll just say one more, Um, but definitely the hike through uh, Torrey Pines State Park and um, being around people who just want to improve, who are looking for different ways and better ways, rather than just saying, I'm, this is what it has to be. And I'm just going to deal with it as it is right now. Uh, But also we went to La Jolla um, shopping and got to see the seals and sea lions like out in their natural habitat and had a really great meal for a very, on a very low budget um, at the taco stand. So the burrito that I had at the taco stand, which is an actual restaurant, not like a food truck or anything, um, was amazing. And so I'll, I'll add that on to the other two. I would agree with you. Those were my two favorite also. Yeah, it was called yeah. the taco stand uh, in La Jolla. And so, yeah, I'm sure they don't have very much advertising budget, but it was excellent. And then in Coronado, that dessert place we went to, that was it, was, yeah. it was top notch as well. So, yeah. So um, so we will be eating so um, it was, salads and lean proteins, uh, drinking a lot of water for the next two months. So it'll be great. Yeah. Before, be before next trip. Yeah. Right. So, um, but this was a really long intro. Are, are we talking about traveling with spouses <laughs> on this one or are we talking about the other Let's topic? Let's talk that about we, a topic uh, that we really, I into? feel like was probably, um, probably the main topic of discussion over the two day, uh, conference that we were at or workshop that we were in. And so really talking about 1040s or individuals tax returns. So would love to just explore that topic for everyone listening. This conversation is for um, CPAs and tax professionals. This conversation is for if you have a personal tax return and somebody other than yourself prepares it for you, um, for business owners. I mean, this conversation really hits every single person that is a citizen of the United States or earns income in the United States. Yeah, it has, has right. a filing requirement, I guess is the That's appropriate right. way to put that. Yeah. So. so let's talk about this. What did we hear in the room from the majority of CPAs and accounting professionals regarding 1040 tax returns? Tax up. <laughs> so, you know, and, and we know that. So I think we're even a little bit immune to it. And people say that in different ways. Like no one, no one came out and said tax sucks, but everything people are doing to improve their businesses and their firms support that statement. And it's hard to, given the deadlines that go along with a tax practice and tax returns and, and so many individuals that you have to have to really scale it and get it up to speed on the client side, it's just a a volume play. And I think that's where a lot of people are at that we, that we surround ourselves with. Um, A lot of people are trying to figure out more quality relationships, more uh, quality, less quantity, 
And so I think that's where the problem is everybody for the most part has a filing requirement. So everybody has the need for a tax return and it constantly comes up once they learn that you're in the business of accounting. So I tax. think we have a bit of a spoiler alert for those who maybe have not encountered this yet, but there are less people willing to take on an individual one time per year tax return engagement than there used to be. And so today just wanted to yeah. talk through some of the reasons that that is going to be more prevalent, um, you know, as time continues on. So kind of what is the reason? So if, if you have reached out to a firm to have your tax return prepared and they say, we're not taking new clients or that's no longer the focus of this business, what are some reasons that firms are no longer accepting that annual only tax return relationship? Um, most of the time, if you look at the firm side, it's because they don't have the right process to, to kind of handle that type of business. They don't have the right team, the software process, it's clunky. Um, you look at some of those legacy processes and how business models originated People would come in office, have a meeting to drop off documents. It was really time intensive. And then you actually had to prepare the return, which the tax code is insane and just keeps growing and changes every administration. Something new is added or something's overhauled. So it's a constantly changing set of rules that people have to learn and implement. And the whole while, the customer who is paying for the service is not happy. And it, so it's not a pleasant experience from the customer side. And we kind of always have joked, like I'd much rather sell something that makes people happy to where they leave you, they leave the transa transaction smiling. And whether that's a ice cream <laughs> cone or a new vehicle, um, it's not tax, it's not tax return because even there's always a reason to complain, there's always a reason. And it's nine times out of 10, the client kills the messenger. So the poor unfortunate soul who's decided to put the, themselves in harm's way and prepare that return, whatever the client owes or lack of refund they're not getting back, they take it out on the tax preparer uh, who delivers that bad news. So all of those reasons are why it's hard. Um, and why less people yeah. want to do that. And today. I know that, you know, at one point in time, you and I kind of held down the, the sales role or had those conversations um, with prospective clients. And you would ask me like, how can you sell Kinley's, our daughter, Kinley's cakes and desserts? And you're like constantly selling these to, you know, friends and family and anybody who will listen. But it is so hard for you to like close a new accounting client. Um, and Obviously, because, uh, you know, cake is enjoyable and they're usually bought to celebrate a happy occasion. So that's super easy uh, to do. Price points a little different as well. Uh, but yeah, definitely. I think when we look at the huge volume that has to happen within a dedicated timeline, forms aren't released to, until a certain date to um, the client. And then we have to turn around as the preparer 
um, and have that done by a certain deadline. And like you said, um, those difficult conversations. So typically the client is, they have to have this done. It's a requirement. It's a compliance issue. It's not something that really brings value to them um, necessarily, especially if it's that annual only engagement and you're getting all of their documents and finding out everything that happened in a prior year when there is very little advice that can be given or anything that can be put into action that can really make a huge difference as far as a tax savings or adding value um, to their family for that past year. So that's another reason that people are gonna start, if they're not already shying away from just accepting every single person who calls to have that annual tax return done. Yeah, and obviously Congress, the, the lawmakers, they set the laws. Um, the agency that is in charge of enforcing those laws, the IRS, is super antiquated and difficult to work with. So you mentioned re the releasing of the forms. And sometimes the forms don't change from year to year, but sometimes there's still delays. Um, the IRS is underfunded and can't do the amount of work that they um, are tasked to do. And then there's all, they are also the enforcement arm. So they can't enforce the tax law a lot of times through fear is what happens, is the fear of being audited, the fear of doing something wrong. Um, but a lot of people, I think the, the general sentiment of the public is it's okay to cheat the IRS. And how far can you take it? And so sometimes tax preparers, CPAs are asked to push the limits, which also makes people uncomfortable. And so most of the time, the professional that is, that is being engaged, you have to test your moral or your value code with every client because every client wants to take it to the edge and pay as little tax as possible. So it, it's also like a moral dilemma if you wanted to get real big picture and that just wears on you year after year after year. And so many of our friends that are in the same industry as us, um, you measure life in, in the amount of tax seasons that you've done. And so you're a seasoned professional after X number of tax seasons. And all the while you're reporting into this agency that's just so underfunded. And I don't care if you're on the blue team or the red team or whatever, we all agree that it is a mess. And so what needs to happen is there needs to be a fix or some type of big step that way. It was just announced that the IRS is going to receive a lot of funding. Um, and so then the fear campaign start about audits and everything. But honestly, if they're trying to hire 87,000 or whatever that number is of new agents to help, help this government agency, which collects dollars, it, it's kind of like an AR function of a, of a regular business. So any regular business, they're going to stay on top of their accounts receivable, make sure their invoices are paid, do collection calls. And we don't fault any other regular business for that, but we fault the IRS for doing that. Like the things that keep the, the government running because in the back of our minds, we know that there's so much waste involved and things like that, but you blame the messenger. 
And the thing, things do need to change. I don't know if we'll see that in our lifetime, but I think the tax code is not going to get simplified, but maybe the processing or the preparation of a tax return will. And I think the smart forward thinking accountants also are hopeful of that and see that as maybe coming down the road. And that's another reason why they're less likely to want to accept work that may not be there in a few years. So technology is continuing to speed up and it sucks that the IRS does not uh, embrace that technology. I think they finally allowed agents to start emailing people, but a fax machine is still a very real thing uh, for the IRS. And there are things that if the U.S. government were to privatize the IRS or to you know outsource it to other lower cost uh, service centers across the world, then you may start to see some momentum. But that's not the case right now. There are softwares out there that will essentially connect into your bank account and do a tax return for you. Um, that's available at a very low retail level. And then you have retail establishments like Jackson Hewitt and HR Block that are always looking for, for tax clients. And then you've got people um, like us and like other CPA firms and other people that are very seasoned where they're finally starting to realize all the experience they have is more valuable than just preparing a tax return after the fact. And so it's definitely a time of change more so than we've seen ever. Yeah. And past. I think you touched on something and you um, mentioned it from like a moral or ethical from uh, people willing to be a little more aggressive on their tax uh, savings and what they claim and what they write off. And um, from that standpoint, I think also from a moral or ethical standpoint as employers. So when we look at accepting every tax prospect that calls and needs a tax return done, what we essentially have to do is to tell our team, you are going to have to sacrifice time outside of the office so you can serve these clients well. And what that looks like or what it traditionally has looked like, what it historically looked like for even our business at one time, um, I don't, it's not uncommon for people to work 60 to 80 hours a week plus uh, for two, three, four months out of the year at the beginning of the year, and then to do it again in September and October. So that's not, we did it for a week or we did it for three weeks. That is really taking time out. So you're telling them that you cannot plan anything with families. You're going to miss holidays. You're going to miss weekends. You're going to miss extracurricular activities with your um, kids or friends or close family members. You are literally telling them like you are now married to this office and these clients and they are your first and only priority until everything is filed and, you know, all clients have been served. And so that's another reason that because it is such a short window, when you take on or say yes to such a high volume, that means you are making that decision for your entire team that they now have to say no to anything that's outside of the office. Yeah, there's um, when you talk about team and office uh, that could look different for different people like team could be outsourced resources. It could be contractors. 
They could be in the United States. They could be outside the United States. If you go with a team that's outside of the United States, especially in service centers like India or Philippines, which a lot of firms do now, you have to make sure that you have the right disclosures on that. A lot of people are still not fully um, assured on data going outside the U.S., but honestly, your data lives everywhere uh, once it's connected to the Internet because our tax program is connected to the Internet. So it's, it's one of those where you have to really define. So just getting the right disclosures in place so people and those are difficult conversations to have, especially with a certain generation that um, kind of questions or, you know, doesn't agree on that side. The other piece of the office is your office may be a physical location. It may just be you sitting in front of your laptop and being being married to that screen for so many hours a day of the, of the year. And um, so I think that's that's the main thing to kind of keep in mind that whenever we use terms like office or team, it could look um, very different. Now, there is software that we've seen that's been around forever. We use some of that software that essentially... Um, gets data into the right places and you still have uh, people that interpret the data and kind of make sure that if there's any opportunities that exist, that you're taking advantage of those opportunities within what you know to be true in that person's return and their personal situation based on relationship. So, and that's where we're starting to see this shift from like preparation to relationship. And we've done that for years. And now, you know, the people that we surround ourselves with also think very similar to the way we did, whether it's the way we think today or the way that we think five years ago, 10 years ago, um, people are starting to finally realize it's less about pr preparation. It's more about relationships. So how can I do that? and move into a client relationship where I value them, they value me, I'm less of a commodity of a tax return because a commodity is price drop. You, you can be price sensitive and go somewhere else. You care nothing about the person sitting across the table from you or the company sitting across the table from you. You just have to get this required document filed and you don't care about anything else that goes into it. So that's also a shift that we're starting to see in the market uh, has been happening a long time, but I think I'd love to see more and more people realizing what they're truly worth and what they can bring yeah, to the table. Yeah, I think you gave some some good um, options there as far as not just hiring in a traditional way of hiring, you know, a full-time person to come into a physical office that there are softwares now that can help replace that. There are outsourcing opportunities that can help. And really the reason that these things came about, not only just to help with efficiency so that all of the work that is in an office can get done before a deadline so that clients um, are compliant, but also because accountants and CPAs are no longer desiring to be a tax professional. So just thinking through, you know, we have two daughters and we wouldn't recommend either one of our daughters go necessarily like the tax route and go work at a traditional tax preparation firm that has a super high volume and work a ton of hours, you know, in two um, specific times of year. We would 
definitely recommend, um, we do love accounting. So we would still recommend that and are recommending that our older daughter does some marketing and accounting as her degree plan, um, but not necessarily the tax route, just because that's not a life that we think anybody enjoys living. Now, I think that if you could get by with just working the main deadline season and then literally not doing anything for the rest of the year and could support your lifestyle like that, maybe then um, that would be okay. But that's not typical for most people to just be able to completely walk away and only work during that season. That's just not typical. Um, that's just not the typical way most businesses are successful. Yeah. Um, the reason the, the, what happens there, well, first, speaking about like our daughters, I would, I would maybe be okay with them going to work like in that the sweatshops of those bigger firms. So they realize really early on in life that it's there's something more um, to life than work. And because we know I only lasted in that situation for a couple of years, I assume that they would last less than that, just because they live a more pampered life than even I did. And I, I think it, it I think the team members that we have and that we've employed over the years that have that background, they realize how good they have it at a, at a healthy workplace. And so I think there is something to working in one of those situations where you can see early on in life that that's not what you want. If that's what you want, like there's a lot of money to be made. It is a, a sprint of a marathon. Uh, you are running a fast paced life. And that's the other piece is, we we always kind of said during the it's it's bad during tax season well tax season has kind of expanded and now you have these non-tax season projects that last just as long and we were even w with some of the firms in san diego and they kind of bring up oh it's summer work and i'm like well summer work it, it's just as busy in the summer uh, and you, if you make your life that you're just busy all year long and what kind of life is that? So summer work is typically means it's lower profitability. It's like just busy work on these engagements. And it's just like, I'm not having that either. Like that stinks. So the sad thing is whenever you get around somebody and they truly don't realize what they would do with more time if they had it. And they've just worked their whole life. And now they're in their sixties or, or even early seventies. Some of the people in the room where we were at, and they say that they enjoy the work and they enjoy working the hours. And I, you hate to call somebody out, but do you really, enjoy working that you enjoy the financial reward that comes with working those hours. Even one, one guy was like, what hobbies do you have? You know, cause if, as you get closer to retirement, you kind of have to interview for retirement and he could not list off one hobby that he had. And I'm just, it, it, it's <laughs> I, painful. It's painful yeah. to hear that. And, and I think when you've okay worked so long and you kind of lose um, what your interests and passions are, you've you've changed a lot, um, like physically and mentally, a lot of your life has changed. And so I do think that then you have to put in 
a lot of effort to find out what those interests and hobbies are now, because likely they're different than they were 20 or 30 years ago. And they may be some that you need to pick back up and you almost have to start over. Um, but others, you know, maybe just changed and that was for a different time. And now, but you, yeah, you, you nailed it when you said you kind of have to interview for that. You have to go back and relearn what you like. I mean, you have to dedicate time and space to figure that kind of stuff out. It doesn't just happen by accident. Um, yeah, I really like that. So we've told people <laughs> that they're no longer going to be able to find anyone to do their tax return. Um, but that's not necessarily yeah. true. There's just a better way to go about that, both on the consumer side and on the preparer side. So let's talk through just first for individuals, kind of what um, what we've done in our own firm or what we have seen be actually a value add and help clients actually be successful yeah. when they're looking to a CPA for tax preparation. Yeah, so we shifted, um, we introduced a couple of years back a model uh, where in addition to like the tax return engagement, there's a, a flat monthly fee that includes two additional planning meetings per year. So one of those planning meetings to, is to actually go over the results of your return in depth, answer any questions. And then the other meeting is to go over a tax projection in Q4 that we've done based on your updated results. And then within that meeting, we talk about strategy. What can you do before the end of the year? What do your one, three, five-year goals look like for you as a family? And that we took that to market. It hit really well. It resonated with some of our current clients that wanted a deeper relationship. And so that, that was good. And even that, we we no longer offer in in the market we we consider that product or that service line sold out because even that is hard to scale but i think that's a great model and you're able to work with less customers less clients than normal um it also works if you're going to manage some assets or be a financial advisor for those clients you would have additional touch points in the year we don't we don't have that service here in our business. So it, it, it was a call for us to not increase capacity for that model because we shifted and we realized that we could continue to do and have a better impact on businesses and business owners. And so that is included in our business owner packages that we do for small businesses. But we were also offering that for a very small window to some of our existing uh, Individual yeah, clients. So if you're a 10, so. a 1040 or an individual only tax return um, required filing, your best bet, if you're, if you're wanting a CPA, likely what you're wanting from them is advice and tax savings. So you want to minimize uh, your tax liability and you want to maximize keeping more of your money. So whether you want all of the opportunities and options um, and advice on what to do with that money to avoid paying taxes on it and to set you up for a good future. And so that 
does not happen by taking your stack of papers and dropping them off to an office in March or uploading them, you know, to their secure portal in March. That type of um, advisory is not going to happen in that manner. So your best bet is to find an office that will either proactively schedule meetings with you twice a year, mid-year and end of year, or go ahead and set that up with them. You call in um, yourself and schedule those meetings and do some type of a consultation so that they understand what you have going on financially for that year. Um, they can talk through decisions that you might be considering during that year and what the tax implications of those are. And then also at the end of the year, Hopefully um, you can ask them to help you do a tax projection so that you are prepared for what's going to come when your tax return is finally prepared in March or April. One thing that if we've got any listeners on here that are not tax professionals and something to keep in mind is the volume of clients that most small CPA firms, most accounting, most tax firms have to have in order to pay the bills, have team members, have a great lifestyle is in the hundreds, if not thousands. And so when we were in San Diego, I felt bad for, for the, for the guy. Um, I think somebody asked from the, the front of the room, you know, he, he has a million dollar firm, uh, which that million dollars goes quick. It, it's not, yeah. it's not always cracked up to be, but the, um, they asked, how many, how many tax returns do you have uh, or do you prepare? And I think there's a collective gasp after the number and it was, it was only 1300, but still, um, collective gasp because that's 1300 separate family relationships that they know you and they expect you to know everything about them and they expect you to reach out to them proactively and they expect you to teach them the tax law and teach them about all opportunities that exist anywhere from three months to nine months after the year has ended. And unfortunately there's probably very little that they can do. Um, there's another firm that we know of that's, uh, probably now they're probably approaching $20 million in revenue and they do 14,000 tax returns last I checked. 14,000 tax returns. And that it, that is not what we, what we have built, what we want. Uh, I think at one time we did have over a uh, thousand clients, maybe even 2000 clients in the tax program. And we quickly said like, that's too many people. Um, we have to, we have to do something different. And so I, I feel that the, that the general public does not realize that they one they want to feel like they're the only client, but that's financially, it can't work that way. But whenever they realize that it's hundreds of additional relationships and, uh, probably at this point, we're in the first week of October, October 15th is right around the corner. Our firm friends, our friends that run firms, there's probably still hundreds of returns in queue, like waiting to be reviewed, waiting to be pushed out working through like IRS rejections, like, Hey, this kid filed their, your dependent filed their own tax return and screwed up. And now you have to paper file or you have to pick something, all those things that come up like the day before you file or like the filing deadline. And so you just kind of have to feel 
for those people and have a lot of empathy that like they are trying to be better, but they can't even breathe right now um, because of the amount of work that has to get really wrapped up in a short amount of time because of, yeah. a, of a deadline. And hopefully that just puts into a little bit of perspective if we have uh, clients or consumers that d don't realize the volume of returns for a tax preparation CPA firm. Um, that is why I believe we have notoriously been bad at responsiveness and um, communication because the volume is so high, it literally is impossible for some firms to respond to or call back or answer every single call that comes in. Um, we developed a different way because we didn't feel like that was the best service for, for our clients. We did not, we did not want them to have, um, poor service coming out of our office or to associate Dylan CPAs with unresponsive or anything in the negative. So we, we wanted to do better. We changed our model. We have a lot of processes yeah. and different things in place um, so that we can provide high quality um, service and exceed expectations uh, in that category. And so really we talked about individuals, but for businesses, I think it's really, um, I would say like irresponsible um, to only look at your finances at the end of the year or to, um, you know, judge anything of your business based on old stale data. And so talk a little bit about what we do for our business owner clients as far as helping them to stay compliant with taxes. Well, yeah, well, taxes are included in all of our service model packages. And um, the reason why they are included is because we want to make sure that that compliance is done and it's done properly, that there's no liability that's hanging out there that we don't know about. So the way that we get the best tax planning is by staying on top of the accounting and staying on top of that monthly, having conversations about it, whether it's monthly, quarterly or annually to start driving like decisions and tax planning. And then ultimately the tax return, it gets magically done very fast because there's no surprises. Um, and that's great for our team. The controllers that lead, lead those compliance projects are able to kind of work through those very quickly versus being surprised. And individuals, you know, those are, those are hard tax returns to prepare, but business tax returns are much harder because there's just so many different variables. And then typically that, that annual relationship brings in a mess, regardless if they know that it's a mess or not, you typically have to look back to the prior year, agree that to the tax return, see what's changed, and then kind of comb through at a high level um, to see what they've done over the last 12 months and see where things go and see if there's any adjustments that need to be made. All the while missing out on every piece of strategy that could go into helping the business owner build the most successful business possible. And so that's why that's why compliance is built into all of our different service offerings, just because it, it's if it's done right, it's it's not that big of a of a task. And you're able to have good conversations throughout the year based on timely, relevant financial data. So um, but yeah, that's that's kind of how we help those business owners is 
by putting at ease that the tax stuff is done and agrees to the the accounting. That yeah, was the hard, I love that our work. team of three takes care of the bookkeeping, the payroll on a weekly, monthly basis um, as it's set up for the rhythm of that business. And then um, even in that team of three, our controllers and CFOs come in and talk through that business planning and tax planning. By the end of the year, all of those conversations, all of that work that's been done that the business owner is using in real time, not waiting for after the fact to see if they were profitable or not, or how much tax they owe. Um, they know that throughout the year as they're going along. And then the tax return, um, the part that has, you know, really caused so much stress and overwhelm for CPA owners, that's a byproduct and pretty much is done and just needs signatures by the time we get to the actual official tax season. Um, I love that for our clients. Yeah. They just are able to confidently make uh, business decisions, uh, make wise decisions and really just improve the health of their business. Yeah. So there's three more things that I want to quickly work in here because yeah. I know we're coming up on time. Um, one, most CPA firms don't value themselves, don't value the work that they do. And the quickest way to equalize what your place in the market is, is to increase prices. So I would encourage if we do have any um, firm owners that are listening to this, to increase cr prices across the board. I spent a lot of time with other firm owners and leading those conversations. Uh, Based on what we saw last year, about a 15 to 20% price increase across the board occurred without, without much cause for reaction from, from their client base. Ultimately, 90% of the clients just accepted it. What we're already planning again for this next year is another 15 to 20%, not necessarily because market will support it, but just to equalize capacity. And so what we mean there is equalizing capacity with the staff that you have available to do that work. And then let's say another 90% accept that 20% price increase. Your top line revenue will go up. Your bottom line revenue will go up, go up and you'll actually be able to do more with less. So you will have people that are upset. It will be such a small percentage that it, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. So you owe that to yourself. Um, so hopefully people can take that advice and implement it before the end of the year, before engagement letters go out for the next tax season. Um, the other thing, um, that, that we see is we actually are doing, we did price testing. And so we tested the market for the, for the price that we charge for our core services. Whenever we did that price testing, 50% of the firms that we tested just came out straight out of the gate and said, we're not accepting new clients. And so I think that should be impactful, not only for the firms that you can ask more and people have nowhere to go. And then two, for the general public that you should probably be okay with the price increase or really do really be prepared to do some hard work to find a new tax repair. Um, I think a lot of people are getting wise in how they do business. And hopefully it's not just the small circles that we run in, but hopefully people want a better model to practice on. The third thing that I want to kind of mention, and it was probably the reason for this conversation today, or one of the reasons 
is you're we uh, we live in obviously a very small neighborhood and within that neighborhood there's this ladies text message um that kind of goes around and so uh, i don't i, I want to give one uh kudos to you and the rest of the people that are involved with our marketing and uh that person kind of put out there hey i need to find a new cpa and I don't know if someone threw out our name, but very quickly she said, I already looked into Dylan and it looks like they only work with business customers. And so thankfully the marketing on our website and everything else we do is right on target that we unfortunately are no able, not, not able to support any additional individual family relationships. So congratulations on that. And then the other note to say on that, that person is so smart that I want to kind of give them a job because they figured out. And for the one person that figured out, we do not serve additional individual people when it comes to tax. There's 99 others that call us asking to prepare an individual tax I love return. that. Now so. she knows that I am in that text thread. So I think that that was, nobody had to throw out our name because she has my direct text and could have just texted me. Uh, I think she was, I think she knew that everyone in the neighborhood would have recommended us, which makes me feel good. One, that people um, think highly enough of us to recommend to their neighbors and friends. Um, and two, yeah, that was my sentiments exactly. She is so resourceful. She checked our website and everything and saw that that is not an offering and didn't call just because there's CPA at the end of people's names on our team. Um, so yeah, she's Jennifer, if you want a job, we'd love to have you. <laughs> um, that's yeah. right. Whenever you're I ready. think, um, if anything, a takeaway that people could have from this conversation is anybody who's listening, no matter what your background is or, or how you found this podcast. But if you think about tax season and tax preparation differently, um, I think we've done our job with this conversation. Thanks for hanging with us to the end of another episode. If you have thoughts, comments, or feedback you would like to share, please leave us a comment or review on your favorite podcast listening platform. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. Join us again next week for another great conversation.